This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Logan, happy free agency tampering slash Deron Payne <laughs> signed a contract day. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I'm excited for Deron. Anytime anybody gets like that, you know, like that that kind of money, that kind of bag is, is so cool because you just know like it's generationally changing. And I think that's, that's kind of what you're, I don't want to say that's what you're doing this for, but it's always that you just kind of, you did it, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how he does going into next year and whether he can keep that motivation. I always find that really fascinating just from like a personal standpoint is like when these guys get these huge contracts, like what's the thing that keeps them ticking and keeps them going, but super happy for him and super happy for the team. Cause like, quite frankly, the deal looks like it's pretty good for both sides. And we'll talk about that more in a minute, but just super pumped for him. And um, yeah, man, I think he's coming in today to sign the contract, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, the motivation piece is, is definitely interesting, but it's one where I feel like a lot of guys are now like, okay, I got to prove I'm worth that. Mm, interesting. Um, you know, obviously some guys are like, oh, I got it. All right, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, and they don't they do not do as much. But, you know, Payne, Alabama guy, like, you know, they're, they're just bred differently down there in terms of the, the competitive nature that Saban instills in those guys coming out and how you have to be. Um, because, like, if you go to Alabama and you don't bust your butt, you're not going to get on the field. And so that just becomes second nature. I think on some level, obviously all that hard work pays off last year in the contract year for pain. Can he keep that going? And, and, and I, I doubt he ever has 11 and a half sacks again. That's just a monster number, but something that I think is really interesting is like his pressure rate was the same exact that it was the year prior. He's been 9.6% right. pressure rate two years in a row. So there's a consistency in terms of performance now just you know the result was there last year in a different way for whatever reason and obviously you know the pairing with Allen is phenomenal this is clearly something Ron Rivera wanted to do and you know I mentioned this a million times before and now that this is done I don't really have to mention it again so might as well get one last play but Ron Rivera said at some point during the year when asked about this I'm not making the same mistake I made in Carolina yeah I you know the Starla Tula Lake K1 short uh duo was kind of the center of that defense obviously they had luke keekley behind which was nice uh but that those two guys made a huge difference and i let one of them walk and it was a mistake and i'm not doing it again and there are a lot of times with rivera where he tells you exactly what he's thinking and nobody believes him yeah and this is another scenario where one the business as usual piece people didn't believe him he, he was not lying 
and we can get into that and why some of the money mechanics people freaked out about unnecessarily. But two, this was something he wanted to do. He thinks it makes the football team better. We can get into whether or not he's right, yeah. but this is not really that surprising to me because he told us out loud into microphones as many times as someone would ask him that this is something he prioritized. <clears throat> yeah, that's one of the things I'm not overly surprised by this. I think there's a lot of people like, oh my gosh, I can't. I'm, I'm surprised they got the deal done. I, you know, I kind of was thinking Payne wanted sure. to be, and you know, he did. He got what he wanted out of it, but, um, yeah, he, he was very honest about his thoughts on this, and you know, I don't know if I. 100% agree with him, you know, I, but I do think that it's important to acknowledge that the defensive tackle position specifically is becoming more and more valuable because they're not developing those athletes in college the way they used to. So like even in this year's draft, like there's not that many good interior players. Uh, I know obviously one of the best players in the draft this year is Jalen Carter, but outside of him, it's like, good luck. You got some guys that are green around the ears that got to develop a little bit. And it's nice to have that commodity already in the building. So um, I think you're going to see more and more of this. You know, we talked a little bit off the off air about how the Giants are going to have to resign Dexter Lawrence, Simmons in Tennessee. Those guys are all looking at similar contract structures and probably will get more now that Deron signed his first. But I, I think this is this is good process. Ultimately, like, do you agree? Like, you know, you drafted Big Phil last year. You know, like you need that guy in the roster. Ridgeway's developing. Could you get away with not having him? Yes, but I think that that interior rusher, that interior presence is something that's becoming more and more valuable. And schematically, it makes sense as to why, right? You know, when you've got an edge rusher, you can kind of chip, you can game plan, you can, you know, allocate double teams and resources there. And it's just harder to do that inside. It's harder to run away from a dominant defensive player. And Aaron Donald has kind of made that exhibit A. And I also think I'm glad you pointed out the pressure rate of 9.6. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the lower pressure rates of the top kind of guys. Um, so, and I think he'll probably normalize back to kind of whatever his production was last year, but I think he does more than just sack the quarterback. And I think that's important to acknowledge as well in terms of creating pressure in the run game tackles for loss. He's very disruptive. He allocates double team resources, <clears throat> excuse me. So just wanted to call attention to that. Yeah. And well, and the thing is like, you can't run away from two of them, right? Right. You can run away from Duran, but then you're running into John, you can run away from John then you're running into Duran. And that's, that's kind of the magic of this. And then if you want to go to the edges, obviously they've got really good players out there, uh, potentially great players as well uh, on the edge. So I think that's that's definitely a huge part of this. In terms of the process of signing, I, my, my big surprise is they got it done now. Yeah. Um, you know, typically these types of things, when guys are on the tag, like they don't get done before free agency. They get done at the July deadline because deadline spur actions and everyone doesn't really feel the need to do anything before that. They, it's just like, Hey, like I'm going to, I'm going to hold out for every last dollar I can get and see if you flinch and then eventually be like, okay, it's July 15th or whatever the date is this year. And it, that's your final offer. Clearly. Okay. I'll sign it. What I think the commanders may have learned from, I mean, they're two different situations, but also it's, it's similar. Like, I think they learned a little bit from the Terry thing last year. Mm. I think they learned one, like how stressful the storyline can be. But I think even more importantly, that the price only goes up. Waiting does not help you. Like, you're not, you're not going to bring someone down on price uh, on a long-term deal, especially when they have good leverage. Like, Terry was just like, fine, like, I'll play out my deal and I'll be a free agent next year. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and, and with Duran, they actually had less because at least Terry, like they tore up his rookie deal and he got more money last year than he was going to get, 
uh, significantly. For Duran, he was going to get $18 million this year. And, like, why would he come down off of that sure. unless you give him a reason to do so? And I think what they learn with Terry is, like, when A.J. Brown got done and, and some of the other receiver deals that got done is the price just goes up. Yeah. And so with Duran, especially in this market, like you said, with Simmons coming, with Lawrence coming, with Chris Jones probably redoing yeah. his deal, like all that was going to happen was the price was going to go up. So if we can get the deal done now and tell Duran, like, hey, man, it may only be for a couple of weeks, but you get to say you're the highest paid defensive tackle ever not named Aaron Donald. That's that's appealing to Duran Payne and his camp. So they get it done. Uh, it it's finalized. And by the way, the, the contract details are very, very team friendly. Uh, and like Duran's still getting paid, like right. by no means did Duran lose this negotiation, but just the way that structures work in the NFL and the way cap hits work and stuff like that, like they'll probably restructure this after two, yeah. um, and, and, and figure out those last two years because having him count 27 and 29 against the cap in years three and four just seems untenable, but also there's a chance the cap makes a huge jump in two sure. years in some of the meteorites deals. So like who cares, but it's only 10 this year, Yeah, 10 yeah. on the terms of the cap hit. So now they have a ton of cap room to play with and they don't really have a lot of big ticket items to spend on. Like they are in good shape. They've done a good job financially managing this team. Yeah, well, I'm so surprised because when you look at the deal, you're almost like that can't be right. They can't be that they got this structure because you're right. It is extremely team friendly. And I, I do agree. The last two years are probably kind of funny money. They're they're I don't want to say they're, they're they're not real years. So the way I this is just kind of rule of thumb when I'm talking about contract structure, unless the money's guaranteed, it's funny money. So, you know, he's got 60 million guaranteed, which is outstanding. That's an awesome number for him. But those last two years are not guaranteed. And so the, the team has some flexibility to kind of say, hey, we can put this into a signing bonus, decrease your total salary. We can bump it out, give you another extension on the year, and they can just move that money around in a way that's really advantageous for them. So great job by them. And I, like you said, they do have a lot of cap room. I think they have $25 million in cap space, which is a big deal. Like when you got to reset, they, curr they currently have 16 from 16. the number I'm looking okay, at, but fine. it's also very easy for them to create more. You restructure John Allen, you're at 25 instantly. Yeah. So I just think like, that's, that's a good spot to be in, right? Cause you got to sign a linebacker. You're probably going to sign a free agent, offensive lineman, maybe guard, um, and those are all very doable with that kind of cap money. And I think part of it is also you've got a young quarterback, so you have a little bit more flexibility to spend on luxury items. And I think having two elite defensive tackles is somewhat of a luxury item. So um, all this stuff, I think, is bodes very well for the team. And like you said, man, like this is about as good as it could have gotten for, I think, for both parties and like very rarely – do you say that? I'm sure there's some people that are going to be like, oh, you know, Duran should have asked for more money or whatever it is. But I, I just I'm happy for the team. I'm happy for Duran. And I think it allows you to kind of build out um, and, and make something pretty special. You know, we talked about maybe getting Cam Curl an extension like that's possible now. That's feasible now, um, which which is something that I wasn't sure would be possible, uh, you know, when when Duran started his contract extension talks. No doubt. So four for 90 is like the big number that certainly his agent leaked to Adam Schefter because that's the biggest number possible. Uh, he's $28 million signing bonus, uh, average annual value, 22, five, 55 mil guaranteed 55. at signing 
total guarantees 59. Okay. So Durant, when we say it's team friendly, it's pure structure based. Durant right. Payne got paid. Right. Like he got his money and that's great for him. He deserves it. Um, we'll get more into uh, kind of where the team goes from here in a second. And especially when it comes to Chase and Montez. But Logan, I, there's one thing I got to say first. And that is another like, hey man, when people tell you stuff, sometimes it's worth believing them. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ron kept saying this was business as usual and i know the ownership situation is holding on and i know that dan snyder is quote unquote cash poor um he's also about to have about five billion dollars in cash <laughs> So he's not going to be cash poor for very much longer. Right. So that's one thing to understand. Two, uh, there's just people were like starting to get into the escrow. And like this is stuff that I looked at because I didn't know the details either. So like this is I'm, I'm not like criticizing this is like on a on a, you know, holier than thou soapbox. But I, I as I dove into things, I learned things. But the escrow stuff where like, if you have to put all this guaranteed money in escrow, like apparently there's a January 31st deadline. We're already past that. So like the money that it, like Dan obviously had to front whatever the signing bonus money and whatever literal instant money happens uh, for Duran Payne that he gets immediately when he signs the contract this morning, right now. That money is Duran Payne's immediately and thus it will come from Dan Snyder because he is the current owner of the team. But comes from Dan Snyder is in air quotes here. Um, and I think that's partially what you ha people have to understand that the rest of the money that, that goes into escrow, that doesn't happen until next January. So it'll be the new owner. Fine. Whatever the way the commanders run their business as is like most NFL teams, frankly, it's as if it's a business, like they get money in, they have a, a budget sheet that ultimately Jason Wright is the team president is responsible for. And Ron Rivera is on some level responsible for with his front office in terms of the football portions of that. And uh, that money is very specifically allocated for players. So there's a set of that money that's specifically allocated for players uh, because there's both a salary cap and a salary floor. And their budget, so to speak, is determined much more by that than the, the owner's financial situation. Like they run it as a self-contained business that's trying to make money because most NFL teams, unlike NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball teams that try, are trying to mitigate losses, 
in the name of winning, NFL teams, actually, most of them make money. Now, can a Stan Kroenke or whoever or the Waltons come in and be like, yeah, we're just going to blow past all that. Don't worry. We'll take the loss because we think it's worth it. Um, we want to make a big change, whatever. Absolutely. And so I'm not saying ownership and money and ownership money don't matter at all in the NFL. But most teams are operating kind of in a self-contained bubble in terms of finances outside of what the owner is doing. And so the idea that Dan's cash poor nature uh, and, and cash poor reality even and the billion dollars in debt he allegedly owes and all that stuff was going to affect free agency is just not true. And so I am kind of like, I'm glad this got done to prove that point. And I think people need to realize that the decisions being made about, say, Lamar Jackson are football decisions, not budget decisions. It's not because they can't afford Lamar Jackson in cash. It's because they don't want to pay Lamar Jackson what Lamar Jackson wants and so and give up the draft picks so they're not pursuing him. This is a Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew-driven ship on these decisions, not a Dan Snyder's bank account-driven decisions on all of these football types of things. Yeah, I have nothing to add on that. You know, you I would defer to you on that because you've looked into it. But yeah, I mean, it seems like that's been overblown a little bit. So I would agree 100%. Yeah. And, and my, my question to people who don't believe me would be, what move are they making that they're not making in your mind because of cash? If it's, and, if it's Lamar Jackson thing, then I think that that, I think because everyone keeps asking me, like, why not go for Lamar? And I understand, like, Lamar would yeah. be an outstanding piece here. But Lamar's contract situation or what he's asking for is not tenable for teams. Like that's why people are not interested in him. And I and like people say, oh, well, it's there's like racial undertones, there's collusion, there's all this stuff going on. And I just look at it from like a pure football standpoint, totally objective. Is if he wants five years fully guaranteed with his play style, like it just limits what you can do from a roster construction standpoint, and you're giving up two first round draft picks. So for this team, I just think that's not not a tenable solution. You know, like it's just it's too much, and there's too much risk associated with it. And I think I think that's something that fans, for whatever reason, don't understand. And I understand, like Lamar's an excellent football player. Lamar's awesome, but he's not. But you're not you're not just adding Lamar. Yeah, like you're adding Lamar and subtracting Duran and Cam Curl and potentially other guys. And like you need, and like as much as I want to say that Lamar elevates a team because I think he does, how much does he elevate it? And the more you see free agent quarterbacks hit new teams, you realize that that elevation is not as much as you think. Without you know, without including without including outliers like Tom Brady, like, you know, look at Russell Wilson, look at, you know, any other kind of free agent move. It doesn't usually elevate the team that the way that you thought, especially in the immediate future. Right. Um, so I just, I just wanted to, and, and you got to build an offense around him in a way that you don't have to do with most other quarterbacks. So there's a lot of factors with Lamar. Um, you know, I hope he gets it done. I also heard that, you know, from multiple sources that, the way he's negotiating is not even really a negotiation because he doesn't have his own agent. He's kind of, he's, he, his demands are unreasonable because he doesn't have any context for the deal because he doesn't have an agent who's kind of working these back channels for him. So I think that's another thing that makes it very, very unusual is that there's no give and take. It's not like, Oh, we're going to put out a number and we're going to put some different, um, you know, like much like Duran's deal. That's a perfect example. This is a very team-friendly deal because of how they were able to structure it. You could do something similar with Lamar's deal if he was open to it, 
But if he if he is full stop, not willing to negotiate that, then you lose some of your flexibility as a front office to get that done. Right. And like, for instance, Carolina, like like RG was on Twitter this weekend being like, oh, my God, they you know, how could they not go after Lamar? They make all this trades for number one pick, you know, whatever. And it's like Carolina looked at their roster and said, we're not good enough to win a championship if, if we add Lamar Jackson. And if you add like you better be a quarterback away. And that's where like it does it make sense for Atlanta to pursue a Lamar Jackson. Yes. But are they realistically a quarterback away? Probably not. Yeah. Carolina, certainly not a quarterback away. I know some folks down there think that they're pretty, they're a lot closer than maybe folks on the outside do because their defense is pretty good. But like their skill positions aren't good enough. They're not they're not Lamar Jackson away from a championship if they keep DJ Moore. So why would you do that? Especially and that's the same thing here. Like, picks. right. You're not a quarterback away. And if you are, you should pursue Lamar Jackson because he's a championship level quarterback. He's that yeah. good. The problem is because you have to be a quarterback and basically nothing else away because you're giving up so much resources. It's just a hard situation for teams to get into because it's not just signing a guy to that much money. It's that plus the two first round picks. But back to, to Washington, point being, that is a football decision. That is a team building decision. That is not a financial like oh my god we're a cash-strapped franchise decision and the sure. same is true like they're not going to pursue orlando brown because they can't afford orlando orlando brown they're not pursuing orlando brown because it doesn't make sense for them to spend their cap space on a left tackle when they have a decent enough one in-house so that, like those are the types of decisions that are being made not cash-based ones yes they could spend decently on a guard but that's just less expensive. Right tackle, less expensive. Linebacker, less expensive. So there's just not a premium cost-heavy position that they need, which is great. Um, but that's, again, a football thing, not anything else. Well, and also just kind of like, just to kind of put a little bit more football analysis on that, like when you are building an offensive line, obviously there's this knee-jerk reaction to go out and get the best free agents possible. But you also got to find people that fit what you do financially and then like the thing at pff which i think is a really good insight is you know you don't want to be necessarily the best offensive line you want five dudes who are pretty average that elevate each other right and so where do you get that you get that kind of in like the second wave of free agency and it's interesting when you watch some of these guys that are considered like second tier free agents like they're starting caliber players and if they're in the right system in the right scheme like they are good starting caliber players and they could also be bad starting caliber players, but understanding that evaluation in free agency is extremely important. And I think, you know, fans get this, get this notion in the draft and in free agency. Oh, I know this name. We need to get this guy just because you haven't heard of a guy doesn't mean that they're not good at football and doesn't mean that they're not a good fit for the commanders. 